Hey, this is Cal Penn, and you're listening to Five Questions with Dan Shawbell. You're listening to the Five Questions podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Shawbell. In fewer than 10 minutes, my goal is to extract the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is actor and former White House staff member, Cal Penn. Cal has played leading roles in some of the world's most watched TV shows, including How I Met Your Mother, 24, House, and more. He currently stars in the CBS series Clarice, a sequel to The Silence of the Lambs and the Disney Junior animated series Mira, Royal Detective. He has starred in movies that have collectively grossed more than a billion dollars, including the Harold and Kumar franchise. Cal has worked at the very highest levels of politics as an associate director of the White House Office of Public Engagement. We discuss both his acting and political careers as captured in his book, You Can't Be Serious, during this podcast episode. Cal, welcome to Five Questions. Happy to be here. Why did you reject the advice of your family and guidance counselors to become a doctor and instead pursue a career in acting? I had no passion for medicine. And also, more importantly, I was bad at math, which apparently you need to get into med school. But mostly, I really had a passion for storytelling and, and the arts, which I thought it's really tough to explain to anybody how something intangible, like a feeling or a passion for storytelling or music or dance is the way that you want to make your career, especially when your guidance counselors and your parents rightfully are saying, you know, it's unstable. You know, there's no guarantee of being able to have a roof over your head. You're going to have to have other jobs, all of that. I just thought that passion, that thing that I'm feeling of being able to change hearts and minds through this love for the arts, I, I have to do it. Yeah. And you get a lot of people who it's say, rational. oh, actor, no money. Actor, your parents are supporting you. Actor, you're bartending. Good luck. There's no shame in any of that. Like we've all had those bartending jobs and those, those waitering jobs, those messenger jobs. The fact that people are willing to put that hustle out there for your passion, I think should be revered. And I, I respect it so much when I, when I hear of people doing that. I completely agree. You define your own success and that could be being on real shows. It could be commercials. It could be just about anything. It's, it's yeah. really up to you and not for society to tell you what you should be doing. And speaking of storytelling, what stories did you hear about your grandparents that influenced you to get into politics? My my grandparents, when we were growing up, would tell us stories about marching with Gandhi in the Indian independence movement. And I did not understand what these stories meant. Like I didn't understand the gravity. Cause imagine you're seven years old, grandma's telling you yet another story about a march that she went on just to coerce you into eating your carrots. And it probably wasn't until sixth grade was the first time I realized because we were reading a, a small section on Dr. King and Gandhi was referenced in that because of nonviolent civil disobedience. And then of course, by the time I got to high school and college, I realized, oh, this family value that we have of doing the right thing, it was not about politics, but I, I started to realize that's why we have this, this sort of very ingrained thing of, of do the right thing. Yeah. And you can say that about any leader, you know, leader in the entertainment world, being in politics within a company a nonprofit. So yeah. I think that that core value really shine through in everything yeah. that you've done. This episode is sponsored by Workplace from Meta. People being people, we can't help but make our work more personal and more human. Whether that's bringing something from our personal life into our work life, like quirky mugs or family photos, or maybe little acts of kindness to colleagues. Whatever you bring to work to help you be you, Workplace celebrates it. Their easy-to-use features make work feel more familiar as well as help everyone work together in new ways. Visit workplace.com human to discover more. 
Workplace from Meta, make your place of work a great place to work. What did you learn in your acting career that made you a more effective politician? I actually kept the two pretty separate because to me, they are really separate. I mean, one of the things I really love about acting and writing and, and everything I do in entertainment is the idea that you can really bring people together through the magic of storytelling. And it's one of the things I loved about everything from Van Wilder to the Harold and Kumar movies to the gig I had on How I Met Your Mother. I mean, the, the notion that people who might think differently or live differently or disagree vehemently about their politics, that they still can come together to watch something that's going to make them laugh. I love that. What I love about acting is that it's separate from any of the work that I do in, in public service or politics. One hasn't really impacted the other. If anything, it's the reverse where having worked on political campaigns and then having worked in the White House for, for a little over two years, going back to acting, I think it taught me a lot more patience. There was a lot more perspective on things that matter a little more in the real world. Again, which is not to say that what we do in commerce with the entertainment industry isn't impactful, but it's a a different type of impact. I mean, there's no denying that when you're on conference calls about people who are really relying on their student loan payments going down or a check that might come to give them a hand when when times are tough just offers a slightly different perspective on, on the work. So I think it made me a little bit more patient when I went back to, to acting that a bad day for me in Hollywood, a bad day in anybody's job is totally valid because it's a bad day for you. But whenever you have the chance to go outside your comfort zone, it oftentimes offers you an additional perspective of like, okay, maybe my bad day right now can be tempered with realizing how I fit into the bigger picture. I also think that a lot of the soft skills that you developed as an actor can work really well in politics and are necessary, right? Like getting in front of an audience, memorization and remembering things that you need to say, dealing with difficult people in tough situations, like you were saying before, criticism. I mean, not everyone's going to like your movie. So I think there are elements in what you experienced in the entertainment world. You know, in politics, it is part media, right? You have to, you know, be there, you're being judged and you're, you're a figure that people are going to criticize. You've For had sure. a lot of obstacles. Yeah. How did you overcome the struggles of trying to make it in Hollywood, like countered racism and the feeling of not fitting in? I sent out for about three years, I sent out my resume and it, because I'm an actor, you also attach your headshot to it, to every agent in the entertainment industry who was looking for actors. And I was at UCLA's theater and film school at the time. So a lot of my peers and classmates already had agents because you're at one of the top theater and film schools in the country. People want to sign you. And I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting signed. And three years in, my friend, Jenna Vanoy, who's a wonderful actor, she was on Blossom. She said, hey, I've got a real big wig manager. Why don't I take your tapes into him with your headshot and resume? And at least he'll be able to like meet with you and give you some advice. And maybe he'll sign you. I don't know, but at least like take that meeting. I said, oh, you'd do that for me. That'd be amazing. Thank you. A week later, she calls me and she goes, hey, so how candid do you want me to be with the feedback I got? I was like, be as candid as you want. If somebody doesn't want something from me, I want to know how to make it better for the next person. And she goes, so so he said, first of all, that you're very good. And he doesn't typically say that unless he means it. I was like, all right, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I feel like there's a but there somewhere. She said, yeah. So the but is that he said that he does not even want to meet with you because he said that somebody who looks like you is just never going to work consistently enough in the entertainment industry for it to matter. And, you know, managers make 10% of what the client makes. So if you're not working enough, it's just not worth his time. And that really floored me because I thought not being worth someone's time for representation is one thing, not even being worth your time to take a meeting. It's like, damn. So, so my barriers to entry are, I can't even get in the door to prove myself. And it's not because I should be doing anything different on those audition tapes. It's because of something totally out of my 
my control, which in this case was the, the color of my skin or the way that I look, that scenario repeated itself over and over again in auditions that I would actually get in the room for. I would be told things like, oh, you speak really good English or where's your turban? And I was like, well, thank you. I was born and raised in New Jersey, so my English is pretty good. Uh, I'm not sick, so I don't have a turban. You know, one of the big frustrating things for me through that process was being able to still want to try out for these parts. Like I, you know, you look at my resume, obviously I've played roles that by 2021 standards are horrifically stereotypical, but they were a credit on my resume. And had I not done those jobs, I wouldn't have subsequently been able to do jobs that I am especially proud of, like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle or The Namesake or, or, or House. Yeah, that is extremely relatable. Um, my first book when I was in my early 20s, I was rejected by 69 out of 70 agents. And wow. then that, that 70th agent said, oh, well, I, I just found out you're a Boston Red Sox fan and I'm a Yankees fan. I'm not taking you on. So I actually <laughs> got the first book deal on my own. No way. <laughs> yes, way. At first you can't make that up. No, you can't. At first I thought that was a 69 joke, but then I realized there was something <laughs> there. That's insane. And what's your best piece of career advice? Okay. So my best piece of career advice came from a woman whose name I wish I could remember. This was back when I was an aspiring actor. The Screen Actors Guild held a conversation with this actor who I, if I remember correctly, she was either the, the only black actor on network television or the only black woman on network television at the time. Somebody asked her from the audience, how do you deal with rejection and how do you keep your head held high, knowing that your barriers to entry are greater than everyone else's. And she said, I make sure that I'm prepared. And she said, I, I know that when I walk in, they see my resume and they know that I have a, an MFA in theater. You know, she had the chops. She was classically trained in Shakespeare and the classics. And what she basically said was when, when I go in and they end up casting the middle-aged blonde woman with less credits because it's more palatable to the studio, I know that they know that. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Cal. To follow his journey, you can read You Can't Be Serious and find him on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where he shares his appearances, events, political views, and favorite things. To watch the full extended video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash Dan Shawbell, and please remember to rate and review the 5 Questions podcast on iTunes. <laughs>